welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. No, I'm, I thank you. I am. I, I'm not looking for a birthday wish here. It, it, it was yesterday, but <laughs> but this bothered me. You know how they always have in the columns uh, today's birthdays in papers all around the country, and uh, you know, just because I've been doing television, it it's been going on for years that my name's included on February 13th birthdays. But it used to. They do it in chronological order. <laughs> they start with the oldest. Oh, I remember I used to be like the 10th or 11th person on the list. First and first. First. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and all these other people, oh, they're 51 today, 27, you know, 16. It's horrible. Well, Gene, you know what it's like. So who else do you share birthdays with, celebrity-wise? Do you know? Who do you share a birthday with? Oh, yeah, my my mind's blank. Oh, uh, Carol Lindley. Okay. No, that's, that's, I, got, that's, I got nothing. <laughs> oh, Stockyard Channing was born. Really? And, and not only the same birthday, but the exact same day. I like yeah, Stockyard Well, Channing. we did not forget your birthday. Actually, we thought it was today, but who the hell cares? Yesterday, today. Uh, Catfish, if oh. you'll bring it in. Uh, oh, we I honestly want to, didn't know that you were doing it. It's coming. So we want to, well, why don't we just sing Jerry Springer happy birthday? Ready? Here we go. Yeah. Happy, happy birthday to oh. you. Oh, this is pathetic. Happy birthday to this is, you. This is all you got? Happy birthday to you. This is it? That's pretty much what? it. Happy birthday to you. 73 years and I get a slice of a pie? It's good pie. With one candle? Blow that out so you can eat the pie, otherwise it'll have a lot. Yeah. It's very good pie. Hey, by the way, that's applesauce pie done by, uh, what's the company? Pie Bird. Pie Bird. At the Folk School Coffee Parlor, this, this is the vendor they use. It's excellent oh, well, pie. Uh, well, I look and forward to it. here's a quick story about Abraham Lincoln. That was his favorite pie when he was a circuit attorney in right. Cincinnati before he became president. Right. I remember we were in class together. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, too soon? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, that was he. Right. He, well. Anyway, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, by the way, we have Kellyanne Conway got herself in a bunch of trouble. She's in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. I'm glad she's in trouble. She dropped another message on our phone machine in the podcast podcast office, which we're going to hear later. And Jerry's going to talk about what's going on still with Russia. That's sort of a motif with this podcast. And Maria Corelli, uh, the barista here at the Folk School Coffee Parlor, yes. but a songwriter and performer about to go out on tour across America will be performing. But first, Jerry, we have a special guest, and why don't you introduce him and bring him on? Uh, yeah, um, Paul Mercurio, um, who is a uh, very well-known comic, he has a podcast. You know, he's had a podcast as, as long as we've had one. He um, just appeared on The Late Show with uh, Stephen Colbert. He's an Emmy-winning comedian, host of the podcast. This is what I love. The name of his podcast, as some of you may already know because you listen to it, is uh, Two Chairs and a Microphone. I'd let the record show, Paul, 
that when it comes to chairs, um, on my show, we've thrown them long before you ever. <laughs> Sat a couple long, of people yeah, down. you have two chairs. <laughs> we, we throw a lot more of that every single day, for gosh sakes. <laughs> yeah. And, but yeah, this is what, Paul, thanks for joining us. And, yeah. and I certainly want to talk about your podcast because you have had, you know, uh, you know, all I get to do is talk to Gene here. Well, I, I get to talk to Megan. Thanks, but Jerry. The rest of the time is, <laughs> is talking to Gene. You've had Paul McCartney, Brian Cranston, Larry King, uh, the only person older than me, um, and really Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Yeah. So, Paul, uh, thanks. Yeah. yeah, thank you for having me. I was very excited uh, because I've been a fan of yours, and you're a smart guy. Happy birthday, by the way. And oh. I'm going to have my wife make you a double layer chocolate cake and mail it to you. you oh, my gosh. I'm oh. going to do it in the U.S. mail, so you'll get it in 2019, but you'll still get yeah. a cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it won't be the first cake she sent me, but thank you. Oh, oh, why do I do? Why do I have to say that? It isn't necessary. This was going Paul, to that was very nice. That was you, know, no, I, you know, it doesn't surprise me because my wife's been on trips and she comes back and she smells of mothballs. I'm like, I think you're with Jerry. Why am I trying? Why am I trying to go head to head with you? I don't have. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I love you. Come on. No, no, I'm serious. Happy birthday. Anyway. Thank you, Paul. Seriously, do tell us about your podcast a little bit, and and then you know we'll talk. Yeah, I mean, I kind of resisted doing one. My managers were like, "You should do a podcast." I'm like, "Well, every comedian under the sun's got one," and then I just decided, you know, I missed the long form interview. I missed. I missed. You know, the, the ability to watch somebody be interviewed. Other than Charlie Rose, there's nobody out there really doing the long-form stuff. And uh, so I felt like, you know, I could sit and talk with people. I can remember watching, uh, do you remember David Susskind, the David Oh, Susskind sure. Show? Oh, my gosh, that's my era. Yeah, absolutely. And I can remember, because my mom was, like, obsessed with talk shows, and she listened to Larry King on the radio, and, and, and I can remember watching David Susskind interview a hitman for the mob, real-life hitman, like a 300-pound guy, he had a hood on, and for two episodes, he talked about how and why he kills people. It was fascinating. And I wanted to become a hitman, but they said, uh, yeah. I had no <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you wear so, a hood, uh, you could still get, well, you, you know, you could wind up, oh my gosh, you could wind up being president. You know what? Actually, now when you just started mentioning that, in the early days, uh, the talk show hosts, uh, where uh, in it's almost like journalists or people who, yeah, people who wrote columns or something like that. Only more, well, recently, last twenty years or so, they're they're all comedians now. I mean, if you think of the late night talk show hosts, it's not yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that, you know. Yeah, go and, ahead. And the host, yeah, absolutely. And the host, like, I mean, Dick Cavett. You know, I mean, you know, a little long winded, but still, the guests he had, really bright guy, and and. Uh, and, you know, of course, Jack Barr, I mean, those, these guys were brilliant. And, I mean, I, you know, obviously those late-night shows have turned more into marketing shows, people to market their books, right. TV shows, and film. So I decided to say we're going to talk to people. And I would like to have you on, by the way, if you don't die beforehand because you are old. <laughs> and, uh, well, on, it depends how many, yeah, it, it depends how many bites of that cake I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would love to have you on because uh, you have it, such a rich history. And I, so I just talked to people. You know, I've had, you know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about, well, he tells a great story. He tells how in, at the University of Texas, 
he was getting his uh, doctorate and he needed money and he was apparently a classically trained dancer and he considered um, actually uh, stripping as a male stripper for money because his friends were doing it. it makes and then he went more. He went to watch his friends and he uh, do it and he, he goes in, he sits down and the first stripper comes out and he has a thong on it and he puts lighter fluid on his thong and he lights it to the song Great Balls of Fire. Oh, this is that... I'm serious, and you only get that out of a long-form interview. You're not going to get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, the days that I was stripping, I never did that. Oh, Jerry, please, we just did. Please don't. Yeah. Yeah. I do the nursing homes now. It works. (laughs) Oh, it's Jerry. Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> I know. People throwing walkers instead of chairs. Oh it? yeah! Oh, it's just unbelievable. I know from talking to Paul that he had Paul McCartney on one time, and I think there's a pretty cool story. That is. Good. Tell us about that. I, I want to hear that. God. Oh yeah. Paul uh, well, I I've worked on the Daily Show. And I was working at the Colbert Report at the same time, and then we'd take two blocks from each other. So Paul McCartney was. Um, the guest that day at the Colbert Report, and I'm running to go to the studio. We're about to start taping. The audience is being loaded into the studio. And I round the corner, and there's Paul McCartney standing all alone, leaning against the wall, chewing gum like he's waiting for a bus, and he's all alone. And, yeah, like, it blew me away. And I'm like, should I say hi? Should I not say hi? And then I'm like, look, he's all alone in a hallway, no security. He's like a gazelle on the Serengeti Plains. I'm going to pounce, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you get one shot. so I go over, we start, I just say hi, it's an honor to meet you, and I walk away, and he goes, hey, come back, what's your name? I go, Paul. And he goes, oh, Paul, that's a good name. And I'm like, look, I'll do the jokes, all right, buddy? Back yeah. off. Yeah, back off. Yeah, it's not like you're going up there singing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we start talking, you have a kid, yeah, I have a kid, you tour, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And like 10, 15 minutes go by, I'm talking to Paul McCartney like I'm talking to you. Now, on the outside, okay. I'm all like, hey, I'm talking to Paul McCartney. On the inside, I'm like, I'm talking to Paul McCartney. Yeah. Yeah. I was out of my mind. And Is I'm that... waiting for someone to come over and tase me for talking to the guy, but yeah. no one's doing anything. So, Are you I'm having like, okay, that I'm same gonna... feeling talking to me? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess not. That's Go ahead. I I, that's why I said I would only do this over the phone. I can't do it in the room. I don't want to get tased by one of Jerry's security guys. That's no way. <laughs> so um, I come, I'd say, anyway, I'm like, okay, listen, I'm going to leave you alone, blah, blah, blah. I go into the bathroom. I'm hyperventilating. And then I'm delusional. And I go... Paul McCartney should do my podcast. Like, that's what I say to myself, right? Yeah. So I go and I knock on his dressing room door and I go, look, um, I like to talk to people about their process and how they do things. And I'm fascinated by how musicians make music, which is true. Would you do my podcast? And he goes, yeah, sure. Just like that. Like that, that. Yeah. That's amazing. And then he goes to me, uh, how, he goes, uh, how would we do it? And then I turned into like a 12 year old girl again. And I'm like, ah, 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 yeah. uh, I'll come to London. And he's like, we're in New York together. Why would you come to come London? To London. <laughs> and then, uh, so I, and then he goes, is it easy to do? I go, yeah. I actually said to Paul McCartney, yeah, you could do it on your phone naked from the toilet. I'm like, what am I saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so now I'm completely flustered, and I'm like, look, I'll leave you alone. I'll talk to your assistant, and we'll set up a call. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, this is the part that blew my mind. He goes, you and I will do it. I go, what? He goes, you and I will just set up the call. Let's exchange phone numbers. And so now I'm oh. handing my friend, and I said, look, I'm not going to sleep with you, old man. I'll tell you right now. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm saving that for Jerry Springer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, 
So I'm handing him my phone number. Now, Jerry, you've been, you've all been in this business a long time. People know how to blow people off in a nice way. I thought yeah. I got a very nice book. End of story is he does the show. Amazing. My phone rings. Um, I'm rushing to get to the Daily Show taping, which is down the street. I don't recognize the number, and I let it ring the voicemail. Oh my god! And, oh. and this is the message. I think you have it. Yeah, here. Oh, yeah, let's play that. Good. Hey, balls, Paul McCartney here. Um, I'm going to ring you back in five minutes to do the podcast thing. I got some time now. Otherwise, I'm going to run out of time. So, if you're there in five minutes' time, you got me. Okay. Bye. That's so cool. Oh, how, how insane cool. is that? that is so that I call is. them back and I go, Paul, stop bothering me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How'd you get yeah. this number? Yeah. Hey, exactly. hey Paul, and, Paul. And then I ended up getting him on the phone and we did the interview. And all I wanted to do was talk. I didn't want to talk about, you know, did you hate Yoko and John? And you. Yeah, I, I just yeah. wanted to talk about the process of making music. And it was, he was so great. Oh, he was so that's great. a one hey, hey, Paul, thing. this is Gene. What is his number? Please. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Nine one seven. Nine one seven. Yeah. Paul McCartney's no, got John Stewart. When number. I called back, someone picked up the phone. He goes, "Yeah, Paul's about ready. Hold on, he's in the bathroom." And all I could do is picture oh Paul McCartney taking a poop. That's all I could yeah. picture. In my mind. Yeah. And I'm like, it must be the most brilliant poop ever. He's brilliant, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but it, he was so nice. It was great. That's incredible. That is. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anybody that I've. Uh, I don't. I haven't met any. Well, I met the Pope. Oh, that's right. Wow. Yeah, I had an audience. Talk about in a bathroom. bathroom. In a men's room? Not in the bathroom. Meeting no. the Pope. What is wrong? How do you forget meeting the Pope? I know. Right? Yeah. All that one Tuesday, I just yeah. met the Pope. It was, uh, oh, it was back in 1985. We had a group here in Cincinnati, and we were bringing medicine over because of the, um, that was the time Ethiopia had a big drought, and, you know, people needed medicine and stuff like that. Anyway, we were doing several trips over to Ethiopia, and the Vatican heard that, um, you know, we were doing this, so they said the next trip over on the way to Ethiopia, if you would stop at the Vatican, the Pope would like to bless it. Well, here you have Cincinnati, which is a very German Catholic town, uh, city, mm-hmm. and uh, and here I am, this, the one person from Cincinnati who gets to meet the Pope is this Jewish kid from New York. <laughs> <laughs> but he was very oh, nice. Was the, oh, he oh, was very nice. Oh, he was such like, a nice uh, fellow. Yeah, he really was. was. He really, yeah, well, what he does... Who let the Jew in? That's what he probably yeah. said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he repeats everything you say. And this was Pope John Paul II. He, he repeated everything you said. That, and they tell you ahead of time, speak loudly and slowly because he spoke 55 languages or something. So speak slowly and loudly. So uh, I said, uh, you know, I'm. but a- after everything you say, like I'd say, I'm Jerry Springer from Cincinnati, Ohio, he would mm-hmm. repeat it and then say, God bless so he says, oh, Jerry Springer, Ohio, God bless. Uh, we're here bringing medicine. Oh, medicine, God bless. I should have said, I'm with Channel 5. We're, you know, he would have said Channel 5, God bless, and we would have had a promo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Oh, God. What about, okay, so you, you are basically, a, a, obviously, a comedian, and now we got Trump. Uh, oh, but but it, that writes itself, doesn't it? And and what 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 I would ask you is what is the role now? Because it seems like every late night show, you know, well, Saturday Night Live to begin with is, uh, you know, it's had the highest rating in years just by you know digging on Trump. What? Yeah, how does it form what you think? What your comedy is? What? 
he's a gift, well, you know, right? We, you know, going back, I worked on the Daily Show as well, and I think that you know, Mort, in the spirit of Mort Saul and Lenny Bruce and Will Rogers and and, and Mark Twain. I mean, yeah. I think I think comedy and satire is an important part of the discourse because it keeps them honest. I mean. I mean, and I really do mean Will Rogers. I, this is a quote of Will Rogers about Alexander Hamilton. He said, quote, Alexander, Alexander Hamilton started the U.S. Treasury with nothing, and that was the closest our country has ever been to being even. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. This is like yeah. theoretically possibly the greatest founding father of them all, right? So I think, I mean, you and you can see it like, uh, you know, Spicer came out on that uh, on that first press conference about the size of the inauguration uh, attendance and mm-hmm. yeah. was like a bulldog. And then SNL started to go at him, and he's turned into Mr. Nice Guy. And I think that I think comedy is the great equalizer, mm-hmm. and I think it's only good if it's honest. Like I think everything that's been done, especially by SNL, um, has been honest and right on. And you know, and it's funny because it, they're so thin-skinned. You know, like. You read the tweets that Donald Trump has said, you know, has, has written about people. Oh, brutal. And then he, and you can't do that. You can't make people enemies and attack people and then be upset when people attack you. It's like you, it's like, it's like you go to a restaurant and there's a fly in the soup and you're complaining about that while you're burning the restaurant down at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's <laughs> absolutely the, true. That's the perfect parallel. Well, I think the authenticity of it, because everyone is nodding their heads, even even if you were a supporter of Trump, God forbid, you would still have to sit there and kind of go, yeah, I mean, you'd be angry that they caught that. But it's so obviously honest and truthful. I mean, Alec Baldwin being Trump, well, I'd vote for Baldwin. (laughs) You know what? It's funny you should say that because I was thinking the other day, this last episode of SNL Mm. rated 72 and the one that Trump hosted in November rated 6.6. Loser! I think, I, I, right, exactly. Even Melania is like, oh, get out of the bedroom. Get out of here. Yeah. Even Melania. Would, She's been saying that for a while. That would, but, you know, here's the thing, too. You mentioned, like, God forbid if you vote for Trump. I understand that people feel disenfranchised over the past 50, 40 years with the way the process works. And I understand that they want an outsider. And I was even for a split second willing, willing to entertain this guy. But where he lost me was way back in the, in, the, in, the, in the primaries when he was asked questions of substance and he would attack people mm-hmm. for, for, for asking him questions, yeah. expecting him to know something. You can't do that. That's like you get in a car accident, Jerry, and they wheel you into an emergency room, and Trump's the doctor, and he's standing there going, what's all that red stuff in the body? Uh, (laughs) uh, That's one doctor. What's that brown thing that's moving? That's the heart. What does the heart do? Why are you attacking me? Are you a Muslim? Like, you can't do that. Yeah, I I mean, you could get me going. It's, uh, you know, he's the most un-American person ever to run for president. I mean, totally against the idea, America. It just, it it drives me crazy. There's never been, look, in in my 73 years, there have been Democrats, Republicans, liberals, conservatives. We've been all over the lot. But there's never been someone so mean-spirited uh, not just against various citizens, but against the whole idea of America being a multicultural Statue of Liberty kind of place. We've never had anyone like this. And I think that's why well, people exactly. are really scared. He, he ran on fear. He's, 
he's and he's and he's uh, running the country on fear. And look at the hostile relationship with the press. Uh, they're so hostile. I wouldn't book the two of them on your TV show. That's how hostile they are. Well, it's true. Well, I wanted Trump on my show, but we, but he wouldn't because we pull hair. Oh. <laughs> See, you can't. You, you'd pull that hair, and you'd be able to walk a hundred yards, and it wouldn't be straight. Like. Yeah. You, you know, I worked for him when I um, I was the host of the. Uh, Miss Universe pageant back in 2008, and that year it was in Vietnam. And, and uh, so I was an employee of his. And uh, oh, How do you feel about that, Jer? Well, now, you know how people say, I've been to Nam, but I don't want to talk about it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I still wake up in the middle of the night going, oh, Miss Venezuela, Miss Venezuela. <laughs> no. Did you have a lot of orange on your hands whenever you shook his hands? Yeah, ah. yeah, that agent orange, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was horrible. No, he you was... Know, a, fr- a, friend of mine, a friend of mine works at SNL, and he said uh, when Trump was there uh, on his last go-around as a host, all he talked about was how big the ratings were going to be. He didn't care, like, what sketch you put in front of him to do. He just kept saying, this is going to be huge, it's you're going to have huge, huge ratings. Oh, he's going to be huge, it's going to be huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's all he talked about. I really think there's, and I don't, this isn't me being political, just as a human being. I really think he has a mental disability. I mean, there, there's something really crazy about him. You know, well, I mean, I, I mean, look, I think that he is, uh, he's got such a thin skin, and he's so hypersensitive. This is the worst job in the world that you could have if you have a thin skin. You know, oh. you might, I mean, be the head coach of the Jets, for God's sake. Get yeah. Like that, yeah. You know? Yeah. Be a customer service operator for a cable company if you have yeah. them, you, know? <laughs> you know, but I mean, I, I, yeah. I think that this is a guy that whatever, for whatever reason, and maybe his father didn't, I, look, I'm a comedian. I always say if my mother hugged me two more times, I wouldn't be doing comedy. And, uh, yeah. but like, you know, you can't call people the, and then get mad at people when you call them the enemy. Look, North Korea is shooting missiles at Japan. What if they started us next? What's he going to do? Get on, like, Twitter and just start doing sad emoji faces? And yeah, crying? yeah. Like, yeah. Not good. Yeah. Not North good. Korea bombing us, sad. Bad day. Yeah. <laughs> Low ratings. So <laughs> no one, uh, no one's watching. And, and, here's, and here's the other irony of ironies. Like, the Republican Party, more so than the Democratic Party, tends to be more flag-waving, you know, Lee Greenwood, it's proud yeah. to be an American... And yet these are the people that are comfortable being in bed with the longest-running enemy of this country, Russia. Yep. Like, I don't... Oh, what's well, that? Yeah. I, I'm living in an alternative universe. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know where I am right now, because no. if you told me Republicans were going to be defending Putin, I'd say, you know, you were crazy. And, well, and yet that... Yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on, but I think the answer is I, I think the Russians... Uh, for their purposes, have something on Trump and the people around, on some of the people around him. I think they really have something on him. It's certainly in Russia's interest. Uh, and But so the Trump people can't be saying bad things about Russia because, you know, and we we saw the first evidence of it today with Flynn having to, uh, to resign. They've got mm-hmm. something. This is not yep. a coincidence. And uh, yeah. Trump is just what they're using to... Uh, to get us to dismantle the idea of America here. They want us to be isolationists, because if we're isolationists, we won't be helping NATO and all the countries around Russia when Russia tries to expand. That's what this is about. Right. It's, it's right. just... The, the whole 
the whole dysfunction in four weeks, you know, whether it's him, whether it's Flynn, whether it's, whether it's, you know, Sean Spicer, like he, he's like Fredo in the Godfather. That's what he is. He's like, he, he just, you know what I mean? Like you just can't, there's nothing that, that about that conversation, the hostility that they created with the press and then they want to turn on a dime and then sort of have it be sort of like a completely normal relationship. You know, like, this is, it's not, it doesn't even feel like the White House. It feels like an 80s sitcom version of a White mm-hmm. House, doesn't it? Yeah. It doesn't seem yeah. real. Well, exa- yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Well, here, here's the, the thing that can get you even angrier is the Republican Party, as much as it's not my politics, it, at least it was a grown-up party with a grown-up point of view. Not mine, but it's a grown-up point of view. Why they, This is what they're going to have to deal with. Why they have sat by, at least so far, some are starting to break away. And when they know, if it's just them and God sitting in the room, they know very well that Trump has no business being president. I mean, they know that, that this isn't just an argument. You know, if you have a private conversation and you start mentioning Trump, they roll their eyes. They know it. They say it to you privately. And, and why they're tolerating this when it's our country at stake is just, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. It's like, who gives a damn about the country? Let this buffoon be president. I am. Okay, that's yeah, not very I, funny, but it's what I believe. <laughs> no, no but, it, but, but it's true. And, and by the way, for any comp- anybody that works for a company that's in trouble out there, just, just get, a, get Trump mad. Like, look what he did with Nordstrom. Like, he, like, he yep. can't help himself. Right. So, so I think, look, I, have you noticed he's not tweeting quite as much and he hasn't tweeted anything since Saturday about SNL? I think they're hiding at 11 o'clock at night. Somebody hides his phone. They put it under like, oh, yeah. Something Melania just yes. takes it from yeah. him. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'm starting the stuff he doesn't read, like security briefing. Yeah. And, uh, and they basically just, uh, it, it, or maybe they gave him a phone filled with candy and he thinks it's a real phone and he yeah. just tweets. <laughs> <laughs> so we well, I don't want to get in trouble here like uh, Kellyanne Conway, mm-hmm. but from now on, I'm shopping at Nordstrom. <laughs> I'm going to buy wear, everything. I'm going to buy the woman's underwear there, for yeah. gosh's sakes. Like you, I'm wearing a slip time. right now from there. It's very comfortable. I'm yeah. Really that's where I know you from. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you've been great. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. Honestly, uh, everybody, please uh, you know, listen to uh, Two Chairs and a Microphone, and you, you'll hear Paul interview, you know, People a lot more interesting than me, but interview all no, kinds I, of people. You're going to come on. I, I'd love to. I would yeah. love to. Do, uh, um, well, do you like? Would would I be paying for the uh, um, like the dinner? Uh, <laughs> is, is, uh, is this going to cost me a lot of money? No, I'd love to be on. I'd love to be on. No, listen, I'm going to get you one of those uh, pre-made little lunch snacks with uh, little round pieces of ham and cheese and the Ritz crackers you buy in at Seven Eleven. The Lunchable. Oh, so that. Yeah, is. the Lunchable. And yeah. And some hard yeah, I had the one today. I had the like one with the cheddar cheese. I'm it's Italian, great. It's like a Jew with less money. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's exactly the same. <laughs> hey, thanks uh, a lot, Paul. I really want you on because like, you've had an amazing career and – I think we're kindred spirits in that, you know, we had lives outside of this business before we got into it. And I think we'd have a lot to talk about. Let's do it. It's a done deal. We'll work it out. Absolutely. You're a good guy. Thanks, Paul. Give it up for Paul. Thanks for having me. Two chairs and a microphone. Yeah, he was a lawyer, too. Do you remember 
when I first uh, presented at the first production meeting, Megan and Jerry, the business plan. Oh, that was a joy to you remember over. that. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. didn't I have in the business plan, if my memory is right, because it was about a page and a half, but I think it was on the second page, that I would get Paul McCartney on our podcast. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you wow. delivered. Deli- Check. <laughs> Sign, yeah. sealed, delivered. Check. Yeah. That is oh. the first thing that you have accomplished okay. since this podcast has started. <laughs> All right. Now get George Harrison. <laughs> well, <laughs> too soon. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, Bobby Kennedy said he'd call me again oh. tomorrow. I'll ask yeah, him if yeah. he sees him. Hey. Um, yes. Kellyanne Conway's gotten herself in a lot of trouble. I love her. I'm a supporter of hers, uh, but she is. She's gotten herself in a lot of trouble, Megan. And sellout. Last week, she was hustling Ivanka's products. She sure was. Yes. Today, she got her butt bit hard by the ethics office of the White House, Mm -hmm. and there's now they've made some sort of formal charge. I don't know where it's going. Turns out, David Proust, our technical producer, tells me that uh, almost a week ago, like a day or two after she appeared on Fox News and talked about Ivanka's yeah. products, she left us a message on our answering machine at the and podcast office. that was the interview where she actually told people to go to Nordstrom and buy, and like she instructed. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. I've not heard this uh, phone I'm, message, but David, would you mind yeah, playing it? They're going to subpoena these. And you know, we're well past, they're like, you're not allowed to play this on the air. Oh, yeah. We oh, seem God. to be playing them all on the air, even <laughs> yeah. when they flat out say, you do not have my permission well, to play Well, it just shows this. you how many people were reaching. The yeah, right. <laughs> all right, here we <laughs> go. Kellyanne like Conway. <laughs> Hello, Jerry. This is Kellyanne Conway. I am no longer permitted to direct you and your listeners to purchase only attire made and designed and manufactured by first daughter Ivanka Trump, which can be found at some department stores <laughs> in your community. I also have been counseled not to tell your listeners to make homemade signs that promote Ivanka's products and personally place them throughout various TJ Maxx stores. <laughs> It's also clear that I cannot tell your listeners that all Americans should purchase their daily needs from L.L. Bean, including their food, toiletries, and auto supplies. I'm admonished, and I will change. In closing, let me just add that this Thursday night from midnight to 3 a.m., I'll be showing hardwood floor wax treatments on the Home Shopping Network. Please watch. (laughs) I'll be wearing new necklaces designed by Ivanka Trump. Everyone should have some. Goodbye, Jerry. Oh, and the tickets to your television show that I requested weeks ago have not yet arrived. Thank you. I'll be waiting for them. Kellyanne Conway. Oh, wow. Why did you tell her you, they, every time they call Melania, Trump said this, yeah. uh, Britney Spears, whenever they call, they always close with saying, can I get tickets? Usually VIP yeah. passes. And how, yeah. TV like how much are tickets to your show? Yeah. How much are they? Oh, they're free. Okay. <laughs> that was like, yeah. Okay. So that's my question. They need to get better with their publicists, man. That's no yeah. good. <laughs> you, and you never deliver. Okay. Never. Well, you never because delivered. they don't send the money for the postage. Ah, I see. It's the postage. <laughs> what do you think? It's free postage? Who pays for that? <laughs> hey, what the hell no, is going on in Russia? I mean, we ask this question every week every because week. Yeah. it's a motif. It never goes away. We ought away. to have a section, Trump and Russia. What's Trump going Russia. on in Russia? Funny you should ask. Okay. Actually, we've, which is in a sense pure luck because what, you know, it's not like I we have any inside information. But if you just 
been connecting the dots of the stories that are coming out about Russia and the Trump campaign and Trump today and the people on his, you know, in his cabinet, secure, national security advisor, et cetera. If you connect the dots, it's pretty hard not to reach a conclusion that something sinister is going on. Certainly that maybe more, maybe illegal, higher, maybe impeachable, maybe even treasonous. All these things are now real possibilities. Just let me review the things that have gone on so far and then try to bring it together by saying what the motive is here. Because it is kind of strange when you think, what's, what is Russia's motive? And then what is Trump's motive? Because, you know, it's a, it's a partnership. Well, okay, it started out when we got the news about the Democratic uh, Party being hacked during the campaign. And uh, so that was the first thing. He denied it. He says, I don't even know it's the Russians. But then 17 of our agencies that do intelligence or national security, they all concluded after looking at the evidence and what they had, after investigating it, they concluded, number one, that the hacking was done with the Russians. Then a few weeks later, they came out and said, and this was right after the election, Not only was it the Russians doing it, but they had an intention, and the intention was to help Trump beat Hillary. So it was being done with a purpose, not just to disrupt our elections, but also to get the outcome that they wanted. The Russians didn't want Hillary to be president. She would be too tough on them, etc. So those are the first two things we learned. Now it appears in the last few days that some of us had been suspicious about it, but now it appears Trump may have been in, or the campaign may have been in cahoots with the Russians. So it's not just, oh, the Russians did it and thank God they got them and not us kind of thing. You know, he could, per knowing what he's like, he probably was happy that they were going after Hillary. But now it's a further level of dishonesty and possible criminal activity that if the Trump campaign was working with the Russians on this, that there were contacts being made about this going on. And why do we now reach this conclusion? Well, uh, now some of you are listening to this live. Most people will be listening to the podcast whenever they choose to, so it could be a couple of days later. But The latest news, obviously, is the uh, National Security Advisor, Michael Flynn, uh, he had to resign. He was forced out. He didn't just resign on his own. He was asked to resign. Now, what happened? Here's what happened. After our agencies came out and said that the Russians were behind the hacking, President Obama, on December 29th, instituted sanctions against Russia— As a payback, you have invaded our electoral system, which is a crime in itself. Therefore, we are instituting sanctions on Russia and pretty powerful sanctions in terms of, you know, hitting their economy and people that are instrumental in running the Russian economy. That was December 29th. So we expected, wow, what's Putin going to do now? This is escalating. The next day, Putin said nothing. No response, 
No anger at Obama. No, we're going to get you, America. Because remember, not only were sanctions uh, put in place, but we had 30-something ambassadors or Russian officials deported from our country. They had to go home. They were sent home in a day. You're leaving. You're out of here. Expelled. So you would think Putin would immediately respond, at least start kicking out Americans from Russia. Nothing from Putin, no response. And then the very next day, Trump says, well, Putin's smart and he wants to have good relations. In other words, he was totally nice to Putin. Now it comes out that on that same day, December 29th, when Obama announced Russians were being deported and that there were going to be sanctions against Russia on that same day, his national security advisor had telephone calls and could have been emails, contacts with Russia, the Russian ambassador on that same day. The thought was, wait a second, what are you talking about with the Russian ambassador? Did the issue of sanctions come up in the conversation, which we can all imagine it did? Flynn said no. The vice president appears on Meet the Press and says no. It did not happen. They did not discuss sanctions. People in the administration, Kellyanne Conway, everyone who spoke for the administration, no, there were no discussions about sanctions. Well, unbeknownst to them, we thought unbeknownst to them, the Russian ambassador, we listen in on their conversations. Countries do this all the time. I'm sure the American ambassadors in other parts of the world are being listened to. So they were tapping the phones. And so they heard and taped the discussions that the Russian ambassador was having with our national security advisor. And in fact, he was talking about the sanctions. And don't worry, when Trump is in, you don't have to worry, we're going to, you know, we'll get rid of him. Which is why, in hindsight, we now know that Putin didn't get excited. So now we found out something else. Sally Yates who was the acting attorney general. You know, she got fired by Trump a week or two ago because she said her the Justice Department would not defend this horrible executive order about immigration, banning the uh, Muslim immigrants. And she said the Justice Department cannot defend that. Well, the courts backed her up, of course. But in the interim, Trump fired her. But a couple of weeks before, or maybe a few days before, in fact, 19 days before this podcast, Sally Yates, who was then the acting attorney general of the United States, notified the White House that Flynn and people in the Trump administration, maybe the president himself, who knows, can be blackmailed by the information that they now have. So it is clear that they knew that 
Flynn was already compromised by the Russians. That what he did was, number one, illegal, because he was still a private citizen at the time of those phone calls. But even worse than that, undercutting the best interests of America. America was reacting to something, a foreign power coming and trying to influence our elections and hack our system. And now all of a sudden, America fought back, not militarily, but with sanctions. And Trump and company undercut it when they weren't even in the White House yet. So he could be blackmailed with this. We don't know what else they have on those tapes that they can be blackmailed with. Was it Trump's business interests in Russia? In other words, what do the Russians have on Trump? So you've got Sally Yates telling the president, now Trump's all upset that this thing leaked. And so now Flynn had to resign. My question is, wait a second. If the president of the United States knew that Flynn had talked as national security advisor, had talked with the Russian ambassador and made this deal or said what they're going to do, and he still kept the national security knowing that he could be blackmailed. He has been formally informed that we are now subject to blackmail, and he kept him as national security advisor. And the implication of what Trump is saying today is that if the media hadn't found out, we never would have known. So the people that are running our national security, that they're in a position of being blackmailed by Russia. This is crazy. Let me end with a quick thing. We now obviously need an investigation, and even Republicans are now standing up and said there has to be an investigation of what's going on. It really could be that the security of the United States has been compromised, and something may have gone on, and if it went on during the campaign, then the election was compromised. I mean, we really have impeachable offenses here, if this turns out to be the case. But here's the question that you don't see discussed. What is Russia's goal in all of this? you know, other than embarrassing us. What is Russia's goal? And why is Trump going along with it? Let's assume for a moment that he's not being blackmailed. Let's assume they don't have a video or a business dealing with him when he's in Russia that let's say he's not personally been blackmailed. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt just for this discussion. Is there another reason that of all the issues in the world, Trump from the beginning would be picking this the Russian relationship as the number one priority of his foreign policy, which is totally inconsistent with anything Democrats or Republicans in the last 50 years have ever thought. Here's what I think is going on. On the Russian side, the Russian goal is to delegitimize American democracy so it's no longer a flag for the rest of the world that see democracy works. They would like America to become isolationist. They see Trump as a tool for making America isolationist. Because if America suddenly withdraws, if we become nationalistic, if we suddenly only are concerned with what's going on here, then all of a sudden, we're not backing NATO. All of a sudden, we're not backing countries that surround 
whether it's in, in Asia or in Europe, we're suddenly not getting involved in supporting these countries that are the bulwark against Russian expansion. Remember, Russia always wants to expand. That's how it can survive, because it has no warm water ports. That's why it goes into Crimea. That's why historically it's pushed into what used to be the Soviet communist belt. They need it to be out there. The only thing which stops Russia from expanding is NATO, and it has worked for the last 70 years. But if we no longer support NATO, what's going to stop Russia from just rolling over as far as she wants to go? Belarus, Poland, She'll go, Russia will go, Putin will expand as much as he wants. The only thing which stops Russia from expanding is America. And therefore, it is in Russia's interest that America becomes isolationist. And if we don't worry about the rest of the world, Russia has free reign. That's Russia's goal. Why is Trump, let's assume he's not being blackmailed. Why is Trump there? Because Trump is controlled by Bannon. And it was Flint as well. These people are nationalists. On the extreme, they're white supremacists. But they're certainly Islamophobes. They believe, and this is in in Bannon's own speeches, on the air, there are recordings of it, where he believes we have to get ready for a war against Islam. It is Christianity verse, he believes, using his terms, the apocalypse is coming. America must get ready to fight Islam. And the way to do that, of course, is become nationalistic, purge the country of all these other religions, these other races, these other ethnic groups, become as pure as white Christian as you can get, because we are now at war with Islam. That is what Bannon actually believes, his words. No one's interpreting for him. And so does Flynn. I think Flynn was the guy who said that uh, Islam is not a religion, it's a, it's a political party. And this other guy, I'm going to get his name wrong, um, Miller. Miller, same one. So he is, same views. So what you have here is the nationalists that have taken over Trump, see, Trump has no political philosophy. He never thought about politics a day before he ran. His whole first 70 years, nothing political. So he has no philosophy. He just likes the idea of, hey, I'm in charge. And so he's a great vehicle for any political cause. So the nationalists get a hold of Trump. They said, this guy, this could be great. He's got money. He could put, the white supremacists are saying, this guy could put us in power. So they want to do deal with Putin. Why? Because they think Putin is also a nationalist for Russia, and they believe they can deal with Putin in fighting Islam. That's the reason these two entities, Putin on the one side with the Russians, and Bannon and little Trump on, the, on this side, <laughs> and they're... That's why they have a partnership. That is what the real danger is. It happens one little step at a time, and unless you put all these, connect the dots and put it all together and see the grand strategy, 
then it just all seems, oh, it's another day's headline. They're just complaining about this. They're just complaining about that. But notice how it all fits together. Mm-hmm. I think from now on, we now refer to him as Little Trump. Mm. <laughs> From now on, it's either 45 or Little Trump. That was really cute. I like that. (laughs) Hey, let's bring Maria Corelli in. Holy cow. Whoa. Let me tell you about Maria as she's coming up to the mic. She knows how to play Maria Corelli is uh, from the Cincinnati area, and uh, she's been a singer-songwriter for a few years now. She performs alone, and we've heard her uh, do that a number of times. She's excellent. She also works with a fellow named Ben. What is Ben's last name, Maria? Sweeney. Sweeney. And she is going out on tour with Ben Sweeney, I guess, tomorrow or the day after, pretty soon. Uh, yeah. All right. The day after, yeah. <laughs> and then in going out west, maybe to the all the way to the West Coast, by the way. Mm-hmm. All the way to the West Coast. And then Whoa. touring back to Cincinnati, which is in the Midwest, obviously, with a woman uh, bandmate that she has in a group called Way Go Lily. So this is pretty interesting. She's going out with one duo, coming back with another duo. Correct, Correct. Maria? Yeah. And uh, Maria, do a I song I used to do us. that, too. I used to go out with one, come back <laughs> with another. Well, yeah, all on the same night on a yeah. date, right? Yeah. And no one believes that, Jerry. No one even believed it. Megan, they don't believe you get one date, much less two. There's no chance that (laughs) All right, Maria Corelli. Here's a song I wrote. It's called Out of Sight, Out of Mind. And these two songs that I'm doing, they're my most recent ones, too. Okay.
keep your baby. Gotta love her all the time. Maria Corelli, and she Thank not you. only uh, is heading out on this Western tour across country and back, but you also perform a lot in this tri-state area of Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, because mm-hmm. I see you popping up all the time. You have, do you have a, a, an active Facebook page for your music, by the way? Where can people yeah. hear you, in other words? Um, so uh, the website is, is still in progress, but uh, you can hear me on Facebook. Um, I'm, I have a, a small like demo CD out that will be up on Bandcamp here shortly. Okay. Um, which is a site that you can listen to music. Again, that's Bandcamp. And um, uh, Facebook right now is where you can find, just type in Maria Corelli. Spell Corelli for uh, us, please. C-A-R-R-E-L-L-I. You got it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Maria, by the way, and this is a way to promote this on our own website, jerryspringer.com, but your songs tonight... Mm-hmm. will be on our website. Usually it takes a little bit before it finally catches up. Yeah. But people can go on our website, jerryspringer.com, and there's a listen live button, not during the podcast. There's also that. That's usually on Tuesday night. We've got a schedule up for that. But if you hit listen live, then you get this long loop of all the performers who have been on our podcast. Yeah. So you're mixed in there, and we're kind of proud of that. Awesome. You've been on our podcast before. We love here yeah. having you here. Great. Do a second song for us, would sure, you? Sure, sure, yeah. Here's a song I wrote. It's called Strings on My Guitar. It's a little bit of a silly one. <laughs> Cigarettes, I love you more than booze Between you and an apple pie, I wouldn't have to choose well, I know the rest are bad for me, but you're the best by far But you'll never be the strings on my guitar I love you more than speckled skies on cool, crisp nights Love you more than the days we get through without even one fight and I love you more than love itself, but here's the cheesy part. You'll never be the strings on my guitar. Well, the strings on my guitar give me exactly what I need. Put food in my face, beer in my hand, and something up my sleeve. Don't get me wrong, cause you're in this song. True love is in my heart, but you'll never be the strings on my guitar. you more than I hate TV and know I always will love you more than fresh cut grass and I love you more than Bill and I love you more than the thought of Donald Trump's hair catching fire but you'll never be the strings on my guitar well the strings on my guitar get me exactly what I need put food in my face beer in my hand something up my sleeve Cocaine in this world could 
pickup truck No, I wouldn't get too far But you'll never beat the strings on my guitar Well, the strings on my guitar Get me exactly what I need Put food in my face, beer in my hand And something up my sleeve Don't get me wrong, zero in this song True love is in my heart But you'll never beat the strings on my guitar No, you'll never beat the strings on my guitar Oh, that, that is, oh. Very appropriate for Valentine's Day. That is, that is now officially my favorite song. That is fantastic. Oh my God, what a great song. That's a good song. song. It really is. Great. Oh, thank you. What a feel good song. It is Valentine's Day. Hey, could you take us out on Down by the River song? Oh, from that to this? Listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. 